up, kids? You're in for another episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. My name is David James Young, and I have been your host for the past 40-something episodes, and I'm going to continue to be. Uh, yeah, I'm not done just yet, people. <laughs> you can't count me out. You just can't, alright? Oh, it is Friday, and uh, we have a really, really wonderful episode uh, to share with you today with a guest that uh, has a lot of people quite excited to hear what he has to say, and uh, he does say a lot, and we get through a lot, uh, but uh, before we get to that, I want to give a big shout out to two previous guests and uh, uh, lifetime friends of the show, Luca Brasi and Hannah Band. These two have both put out really fucking great records, and they are both out now, officially as of today. Hannah Band have a new album out. It is called Quitting Will Improve Your Health, and you can pick that up through their Bandcamp, hannahband.bandcamp.com, uh, and you can also pick up a vinyl through Blackwire Records or Less Talk Records. So definitely hit them up. It is a really, really wonderful album. I'm so, so happy that it's here, and uh, I can't wait for you to hear it. And of course, Luca Brasi have a new album out. It's called If This Is All We're Gonna Be. And uh, it is the feature album this week on Triple J, which is fucking unreal. So I'm very, very happy for them. And of course, you can pick that up through their Bandcamp, lucabrasipunkrock.bandcamp.com. And you can also head over to Poison City Records if you want to pick up a physical copy. Awesome. All right, uh, let's talk about Jeff Rosenstock. Jeff Rosenstock was in the country last month, or maybe the month before. No, it's still la- it's still last month. Uh, <laughs> we're still we're still just in the dying dying moments of April, people. Uh, just as this episode comes out, anyway, Jeff came through and did a big national tour with Chris Farron, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago, an absolute darling boy. Uh, I believe it's his birthday today as well, so very happy birthday to him. Uh, And uh, yeah, we managed to talk to Jeff across two nights uh, at the factory floor, which is the first part, and at the Beer Garden of Blackwire Records, which is the second part. So I'll pop in around halfway and kind of guide you between part one and part two, and uh, yeah, it's pretty easy from there. This is a really, really fun chat, and I can't wait for you to listen to it, so much so that I'm going to stop talking and lead the way into our new episode with Jeff Rosenstock! Peace. and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Jeff Rosenstock. Hello, it's me. Hello, aka Jeff Rosenrock, Death Rosenstock. I like Rosenrock, that's yeah, fun. Yeah? Sure. You, there's, a, there's a few puns out there in, in relation to your name. Yeah. Uh, what was the one I saw in the t-shirt? With uh, Jeff Ghost- Ghostenstock, with the glow-in-the-dark ghost. Perfect. Yeah, was, that I, a, was that a Halloween special? Uh, No, it, it's weird because it did come out around Halloween, but... You know, I think before we leave for tours, me and Christine are just racking our brains about how I can not put my name on a t-shirt, how I could, like, <laughs> make it a pun or something. Uh, and you're like, Ghost to Suck, okay, done, easy. <laughs> like, usually, like, the second we come up with one that we could even barely think of a design for, we're like, 
Okay, good, good, good. We'll do that one. <laughs> Let's go. Let's finish this up. Yes. We are backstage here at the factory floor, a venue uh, run by Mr. Mark Gibbons, who uh, made him, uh, completely unknown to him, made a cameo on your last record, um, which no one noticed until like about halfway through. We were just like, was that Gibbons? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Does he know about, when did you find out about that? Um, uh, so a friend of mine, uh, S- uh, Spencer from Newcastle, shout out if you're listening, a friend of the show, a former guest of the show, uh, was listening to the record and he was just like, there's this bit at the end where we, I could hear an Australian voice talking about the airport, and <laughs> and then it clicked that it was Gibbo, yeah. and then we were all just like, is it? And then we all listened to the record, that bit of the record, and we were like, holy fuck. Yeah. There's a bunch of field recordings from that first tour I did in Australia, because I was with my buddy Nick, who had the recorder, Yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought it'd be uh, cool to juxtapose a bunch of stoned, drunk people trying to figure stuff out. just Or not even trying, just like either trying to figure out how to get somewhere and be like, wow, man, everything's awesome. Like Versus like the fact that all I do is just like leave the people who love me and go and like fuck off for a while. Just like, oh, whatever. And don't really yeah. seem to care about what, you know, my loved ones feel about that. Good lord. <laughs> you know, positive stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. I like anything that's positive. I'm just like, how can I make this as dark and, you know, <laughs> upsetting to me as possible? <laughs> that's a good condition to have, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's, it's very helpful. Oh, 100%. Yeah. When was the first time you came out to Australia? Was that... Was that 2012? Right. Was 2012. That, was that the last Bomb the Music? No, that was shows? me. That was Bomb the Music Industry, Bring Your Own Band. So that was me with an iPod. Oh, cool. And that was Smith Street Band, uh, Young Upstarts, opening up for me on that tour. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and uh, then the next time, and we became very good friends. And I think I booked them a New York show or two or like helped them set up some American stuff. And then uh, when I was like, hey, I want Bomb to come over there, like full mm. band. They're like, yeah. They're like, I think you guys should open up for us. I was like, all right, dudes, whatever. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, no, you guys are like a fucking seriously popular band now. This is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. It was great. It's always great to tour with Smith Street Bags that people come to the shows. <laughs> What's a, I, I'm very curious. What's it like touring with an iPod? You know, it has its ups and downs. I, I just, in general, like the feeling of just being autonomous, which isn't really the case. First of all, it's sick because I got to go on tour here. If I didn't go on tour with an iPod, we would have never met the Smith Street Band. And now we're like, you know, I'm like making records with them and we're all really, really close friends. It kind of seems like it would be really sad to just not be friends with them, even if it had nothing to do with music, because they're our good buddies, you know, like... Fucking Will came to me and Christine's wedding. So the fact that I could just come over here as one person and do that. Mm. Um, I also got to tour Brazil that way. The first time I did UK was like that. Like, that's awesome. And it is fun. I think it's good. I don't know. People show up and get bummed out sometimes. It was always kind of hard to um, explain via a flyer that mm. just said Bond the Music Industry on it, like somehow explain that sometimes it was a band and sometimes it was this other thing. Yeah. Because it started out, it started out as a band, but then like for two years or maybe more, it became just, you know, me and either Rick Johnson or Matt Kurz and an iPod. Yeah. Um, because I just wanted to play shows and I didn't have a band to do it. It was more just like a, well, fuck it, man. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to just kind of, play music and if that means that like my friends don't want to do it right now and have to do it this way that's fine you know and I mean and that's a big reason why I I stopped doing that with like this stuff 
Yeah, I, I didn't like the feeling of people feeling like they were uh, duped in some way or tricked when they show right, up yeah, and it's just yeah. being an iPod. Um, but the shows were always really fun, and once I l- figured out how to listen for <laughs> the snare on the iPod and be able to pick the snare out no matter how shitty the PA was, like, <laughs> it was all, it was really fun, it was fine, I liked doing it. Oh, Perfect. And uh, this is the first time you've toured Australia as a as a quote unquote solo artist. Yeah, uh, with the with now the that I, yeah with the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how long have you been playing with these guys? Um, they all played on the record. I mean, John was in Bobby Music Industry. Kevin, I met from doing a Bruce Lee band record, which is a Mike Park from Asian Man Records ska band that kind of oh. like rotates the lineup all the time. And Everyone's he, got a ska band. Yeah, oh yeah. We all have millions of, like, I feel like all of us have four ska bands. Hi Max, if we, you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> we, jo- we joke around, or I don't know, we were talking about how, because all of us are in the Bruce Lee band now, so like, we're also just a different ska band. Yeah. We're yeah. a ska band, the four of us. Yeah, course. yeah. But uh, yeah, I met Kevin through that, and he was just such an insanely good and quick drummer oh, yeah he's, like the, he's unreal he learns stuff like insane like well we did that first bruce lee band record me and mike were just like going through the structure of the songs and stuff like that and he was in the room and then we're like okay so then the song will go like that okay kevin there's how the song goes we're like oh no you know i pretty much i hear what you guys are saying i'm like okay uh you want to run through one he's like uh, we'll, we'll record it and then like we record it and he plays it perfect and never playing it before like that takes on the record so after that I was like okay I want to play with this guy and then yeah so Kevin and John were on the record with um, Mike from Hard Girls and uh, when that record came out I was like well it, sh- it would be fun to do shows with this band and yeah it kind of snowballed and we got Dan Podhast involved on a tour because we wanted to have a keyboard guy and um, we love Dan. We were already in Bruce Lee band with him, um, and he's just the best. So he he like comes and goes too. And it's fun. And we got a drummer in New York when Kevin's in California. We want to play a show here or there. So it's like there's a bunch of people, but Kevin and John are certainly at the core of it. Awesome, man. Well, it's absolutely wonderful to have you here, man. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, fucking A. Tell us a little bit about how you originally got uh, interested in music. Like, uh, tell us a bit about you growing up and how music kind of factored into it. I think just for the second I heard any music, I was always obsessed with it. Like, yeah, uh, really, yeah. I, like, I think La Bamba, the movie La Bamba came out when I was a kid. Uh, sure. And uh, my dad had a guitar and I was like kind of plucking it, trying to play La Bamba when I was like, you know, like like two years old not not that but like crazy young yeah yeah I, and then after that it was just kind of like my parents had mtv and uh i had a few babysitters who were just bad and uh showed me metal music there's like i had one <laughs> babysitter who showed me metal stuff so i was like way into metal right away um, how old were you at that point like not like six or something Shit. like i was like a kid a teeny metalhead um <laughs> like big four stuff or no well still? yeah yeah anthrax for sure anthrax was like the first band i really 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 liked yeah, yeah um like state of euphoria and uh, among the living were like yes, huge records for me yeah um and then also through anthrax and like kids on the bus um, I found Public Enemy, which, like, uh, that was also, like, Attack of the Killer Bees. fucking huge for me. Yeah, Attack, Attack of the Killer Bees. Uh, they had a record called Music and Our Mess Age, and it was, like, one of the universally 
not loved by critics. <laughs> like, the first Public Enemy record, people were like, I don't know. But uh, yeah. I heard that, I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. It was, like, all revolutionary shit. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, just, like, you know, listening to the radio and watching MTV. And at that time, MTV would do things where, like, they'd show, like, three heavy metal music videos that they showed like three R&B music videos that they showed three rap music videos and like obviously it was all like commercial shit but it was like mm. I was just like wow what is all these all these kinds of music this is all amazing yeah. like freaking out about Debbie Gibson and Bobby Brown and Madonna and also Anthrax and Pantera and Cannibal Corpse and yeah. Faith No More and thinking that like yeah this all makes sense it's just music yeah, right yeah, you yeah. know so yeah that's that's kind of how that happened, and then, um, you know, I, I stumbled into punk and ska, and that kind of ended up being where I, like, I don't know, I, I, I felt really at home in, yeah, yeah. with that kind of stuff. Did you have lessons, like guitar lessons, piano lessons, anything like that? I had, all, I had lessons and stuff. They helped me to an extent, but uh, I didn't care. I didn't, like, I didn't want to play any of the shit my teachers were teaching me yeah, sure. uh, which was incredibly frustrating for them and yeah, frustrating yeah. for me because I just wasn't practicing it but uh, I think I think like piano lessons and stuff kind of helped me learn how to read music and shit yeah I, I think for the most part the way I learned how to do everything was like listening to Green Day and Everclear and the Mighty Mighty Boston's in my yeah. in my room and just like playing those songs over and over and over and over again and trying to play along to it and, like, at the same time, I was, like, writing my own songs, which weren't any good or anything. It'd be, like, I, have, I had a tape recorder that um, if you recorded, it was just, like, a normal cassette recorder, but it was kind of shitty. So, like, everything you would record on it wouldn't fully record over what was there before. So I would, like, record guitar and then, like, record vocals on top of it oh, later wow. on. Um, and I would write songs like that. And uh, then I, like... When my parents got a computer, um, I put this program called Cakewalk on it, which was like a MIDI program. Hmm. And um, then she went, then I started like writing songs, and like when I was hearing in my head like whatever arrangements I was thinking of doing, like I'd gener- I'd MIDI, so I had all these I had all these instruments. So just like literally on a staff, like write everything out and just kind of like have these weird like like shitty sounding guitar versions of like all these like early ASOB songs and stuff like that um but that's kind of where I I learned how to do music more I I did have lessons so I and I don't really know how much that factored into it but like when I think about this stuff where like that I really clung on to is you know Mostly just, like, being a lonely kid and sitting in my room playing guitar or sitting on the computer. Yeah, know? yeah. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Long Island. Yeah, right. So, um, was there was there much of, like, a music community around there? Did you, like, grow up going to shows and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, Long Island was awesome for that. And, uh, and, 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 it, and that's kind of how I got into ska, like, um, most, that, like, that's the biggest reason I got into ska, because I was, like, a hardcore metal kind of kid, I was going to hardcore shows, and they were kind of whack and violent. And I was like, I was like thirteen or fourteen, and people yeah. would like oh, hit yeah. me and like beat me up in yeah. the pit and shit. It's like, <laughs> ah, now. I'm a baby. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> um, like somebody literally one time, like, and I'm like fourteen years old, grabbed me by the hair and was like slapping me in the face of the pit. I was like, this isn't Jesus like, Christ. This isn't a day. And I wasn't like, 
you know, I was in, I was scrappy. I was getting in the pit. I was like getting into pylons and shit like that. Just like, yeah, yeah this is fun. Um, and that happened. I was like, this is stupid. And like, I'd heard the mighty mighty boss tones, which were like to me, it was like, oh, this is like a hardcore band, but as it has horns. I don't know about this part where it's like clean guitar. That's kind of bullshit, but the rest of this is awesome. <laughs> and then, like, I slowly kind of got into Scott. Once I started a band and once we kind of figured out how to play shows, like, I feel like every high school had one Scott band. In Long Island, it's like, it's like, you know, picture, like, I don't know. It's hard to say this on a podcast, but it's just <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of times you have town and then you drive, like, you know, like 30, 40 kilometers down the road, there's another town. Mm-hmm. Um, in Long Island, it's just town, 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 town. Yeah, right. Like, it's all just, like, right flush up against each other. Um, and every high school had, like, a ska band or a punk band or two. Sure. And um, so there was always just, like, shows all over the place, like, all-ages shows and mm. stuff. So, you know, if we weren't playing a show, I was going to a show or seeing a friend's band at a show, like, every weekend yeah, all the time. Wow. Um, which was great, because I fucking hated high school and I mm. hate I I hated it and I yeah. didn't Who um I don't know, mm. you know. I don't I I feel like I I hated it more than a lot of people. I was like there were punk kids in my high school and they were all kind of dicks to me so mm-hmm. it's just like cuz I cuz you know I liked fucking um I don't know. I liked R and B music, and I oh, also sure, like yeah. typo negative. And I like, I like like all this weird shit. They're like, "There's not no effects, and you can't skate." Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it, so like having that community where like, especially like the ska and punk scene in Long Island was just so many strange fucking bands. Like Dan Deacon came out of there. Oh sure, um, yeah, yeah. Josh Kalanick, who I believe is a singer of Small Black, oh, came yeah. out of like the Long Island ska scene, like. There are people who are just, like, always, like, doing weird shit. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's cool. Um, fucking Justin Raisin, who played in this, like, kind of emo-y band called Sundays and then The mm. Minor Dimension. Right, he, right, right. like, wrote Sky Ferreira's record. Like, he no writes for Sky Ferreira and Charlie XCX and all that shit. He's, yeah, like, yeah. work with Angel Olsen on something now. Huh. So it's, like, all these people who were, you know, I feel like we were all kind of brought into this um, weird scene. Uh, and ska is just awesome because you like the great thing about ska is that there's never an idea that you're like, no, that's gonna sound stupid. Like it's already ska music. <laughs> like a lot of it is yeah. gonna sound just dumb. Go, just go along, um, yeah. Which is cool because you can you can feel free to just kind of goof off. You know, it's 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 an underrated form of music, especially like later ska punk because it was just so incredibly unpretentious. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So where do you factor into all of this? Like, uh, what was your first band? Um, my first band was the Arrogant Sons of Bitches, ASOB. That's a fucking um, great name. Which, yeah, it's a fine name. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of, I, at this point, I wish I didn't have a band that had the word bitches in it, you know. Oh, sure. But, uh, you know, I'm an when adult now, and I was 13 yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. You're 13. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first band, and it just kind of started in, you know, me and my friend Joe writing songs in his house. We didn't play a show for years. We just had a fake band name, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, then we played a show in my parents' backyard, and our drummer quit in the middle of the show. What? And then, like, a few months later, we played a show somewhere. We were just, like, horrible for a really long time. And then, eventually, uh, we were, like, obnoxious enough on stage that 
it was at least something that was fun to see. Shit. I gotta know about the drummer quitting mid-set. Like, what happened? Oh, we were just bad, and he was embarrassed, so we left. <laughs> you know? So you just had, had to do the rest of the set with his two well, Yeah, with just two guitar players and a sax player. So we were two guitar players, a sax player, and a drummer. So no bass playing player. in my parents' backyard. Wow. So it wasn't like... It's not like we were fucking awesome and the drummer left during the set. Like, we were trudging through the set. Yeah. And, and the drummer, who is, does not play drums in any band now, was just yeah, like, right. I, I don't want to do this. This For is bad. Men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, where do you kind of go from there, like, after high school finishes and stuff like that? So, I went to college, and I kind of always just felt like um, high school band... Like, I really thought the kids who were in bands in my high school were awesome. Sure. Um, and, and I think they were. Like like I said, uh, that dude Josh from this, uh, like, ska rap 311 band called The Lightweights. Yeah, like, yeah. he's in, sm- he does Small Black now, and that's like mm. a, I don't know if that's big here, but that's like a big indie rock thing in the States. Um, there was this band called The Posers, who were just like the best fucking punk ska, punk with horn band I've ever seen. Like, they just like, ruined every venue they played. Like, yeah, every wow. venue they played, it was just like they didn't have shows there anymore. Which now is like a good punk. I was like, fuck that. But um, when I was a kid, I was like, this is amazing. They yeah. just do not give a shit. Um, like, two of those dudes ended up being in Taking Back Sunday. Huh. Um, so, like, the, the kids who were in my high school, it seemed like they were all in really good bands, and I was like, but they all just keep breaking up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't want my band to break up when we go to college. Mm. Let's just keep let's keep doing it. Yeah, so yeah. ASB kind of kept on keeping on, and um, you know we would tour on the weekends and that kind of stuff. And that was just like through college, we were just like I, I would like I, I went to school at NYU in New York, and I lived in Long Island, so I would come home on the weekends, and we would do little weekend tours and then the summer we do little summer tours and winter break we do like week week and a half long tours and stuff yeah. like that and this was all with ASOB this was all with ASOB yeah, yeah. right cool. like we just played a lot of shows you know um, we didn't really none of us in the band knew what else the fuck we would do if not for doing that you know yeah, and we, yeah. we were all like you know we all uh, you know to put it kind of, kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for Technically, mm. uh, maybe overly technically, but like we all were suffering from various mental illnesses. It was just sure, like yeah. get like six like totally fucked up people and put them in a band. It just becomes this thing where it's like Ooh, this yeah. can't end. We're all we have. We hate each other. But this is all we have. <laughs> um, and then eventually, like it all came to a head, and you know, I I got kind of not kind of. I was just like I I didn't the commercialism of it. And the commercialism of just, like, the punk scene in general just, like, grew to become way too much for me. And, and I didn't like it. And it wasn't, you know, I, I get anxious in malls and I don't like shopping. And I didn't, I, I didn't want to make anybody feel like when they came to our shows that they were, like, was being bombarded with, like, buy the shit, buy the shit, buy the shit. Um, so I said that I didn't want to do that anymore. And then, you know... Dave was like, well, fuck you. And I was like, well, fuck you. And he was like, well, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then that was it. We broke up. Like, while we're in the van on the other side of the country. And then we played a crazy show that night. Oh, wow. Was that... that, Did it it end in tears? Was it kind of violent? Oh. It It ended in tears, but then we also did... We had, like, two more shows that we had to drive home, too. Fucking hell. Yeah. 
And you and you played those last two shows. We played those last two shows, and we actually we were a band for like a year after that, really? and that was when we started getting popular. But we were already done. Um, but we like had this massive merch debt that we were trying to pay off. So we play shows, and we would just be like shit face hammered. All of us, like Dave, like passed out during a set, and like and he's, he was a big guy, and he like knocked over a bunch of, like everything. When he passed out, and then we're just like, kind of like Holy all pulled it back shit. up, and then just kept like playing through the set. And I guess for people watching, they were just like, "Oh fuck, this is insane," Dude, which is probably yeah. why we like got any notoriety or anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, after that, eventually we released the record Three Cheers for Disappointment," which we were working on for a very long time, mm-hmm. and uh, one that came out. Uh, we all like hung out for the first time in a long time, had a great time, and then we played like this last show where at CBGB's, it's fucking cool, Unreal, yeah. and then like it was done, and we were like about to have a drink, go celebrate, and then like somebody who did like the merch pre-orders for some fucking shit was like, oh, you got to sign like a hundred posters, all of you, like okay, we sat down to sign these posters, and people were like taking pictures of us signing posters. I was like, oh, fuck this. This sucks. I don't want to do this. And then that was it. We never played a show really again. Oh, and like, but also like Dave went to college and now he has a family and that's awesome. Yeah. And like, that was the thing too. We did like a thing where like, let's take a six month break. If we, let's treat it like it's real. And if we want to do it again in six months, do it. But let's like not fuck around and act like, but let's not just wait for six months from now. Let's do what we would do and see if we like it. So, you know, Dave went to school. I was doing Bomb the Music Industry. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of how that all ended up. Yeah, so Bomb the Music Industry started as a reaction to, you know, having to do those signings of the posters th- and I that sort of I think so. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the signings. Just, like, we recorded a few songs for, like, a, the ja- a Japanese release of one of our records yeah, um, right. that never came out i recorded those on my mm. friend's laptop with an mbox and i was just like oh wow recording is just this easy yeah so i was just like okay i just want to record stuff myself and then i'll put it on the internet for free yeah so i just was like okay if i record the music for free i put it up for free and that's it and that takes like i didn't i didn't even want it to be a thing necessarily i yeah. just i was just like you know i wrote a song because i was feeling weird and um, that song was Sweet Home Cannonata, and uh, it kind of uh, I put it on the internet and people liked it. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll 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 try and write some more songs. And just I had songs in my head that I that I that I knew I wanted to kind of get to. And ASB yeah, took yeah. so long making the one record that I'd written all these songs. I was like, okay, let's see what that would sound like if I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's just kind of how it started. And then we're yeah. like, you know, John lives up the street from me and Laura Stevenson lived like a like a five minute drive from me and mm. we were all like hey should we just be a band together and then that was it you know that's all so Bomber Music Industry was a, kind of defined you know in a way by a lot of people how differently you did things putting all the music out for free and you know like being the band that anyone could be in even an iPod like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that important to you to kind of do something very very intentionally different to what you'd done previously or it wasn't important to me to do something intentionally different it was just, like, it was important to me to, like, I just wanted to do sick shit, you know? Like, sure, yeah. I was, like, I thought about, about, like, yeah. when I was a kid and, and I saw Les and Jake and they brought uh, Dave from ASOB 
who we didn't know them at all. But mm. They brought him on stage to play trombone. He's like, wow. can I play trombone with you in a song? They're like, sure. I was just like, that's so fucking cool. Um, and uh, so that's why we told people if they brought an instrument, they could play it with us. And I just, I thought, like, I was just trying to do stuff that I would think was cool if I was watching a band. That's basically what the music industry was. And, I, and since I wasn't interested in selling anything, you know, I was just solely interested in breaking even. I was like, I'm going to have a job. It's fine. Yeah. I want this to not be my job. I just yeah. want this yeah, yeah, to yeah. be this thing. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm really curious as to the bringing like people who just had an instrument on stage. <laughs> like uh, I can only imagine like a, a couple of times that would have ended as well as you'd have hoped. No, it ended great almost every time. Really? Yeah. Because I'm just and when it didn't like, end great, do you we know would... the song? Do you know the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Every everybody who usually brought some, who brought something basically knew it. I can think of like one time. When somebody didn't, and we were like, what the fuck, dude? He was like, oh no. It was like just a funny <laughs> thing, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Tell us a little bit about touring with that for the first time. Like, that that obviously would have been a fairly different experience. Like, uh, um, I, I heard that you, you, like, people would actually, like, come to shows with blank CDs and, like, get yeah. the off you. Yeah, the, the first few shows, we just, uh, we'd be like, give us a blank CD. And we'll give you a CD with all of our songs on it in exchange. And we take that blank CD, put it in the computer, burn another CD, give that to the next person. Uh, we did, like, uh, th- like bring a shirt. We make you a shirt. Uh, it took us a while to kind of figure out exactly how to do all that stuff well. Like, mm. we started with, like, sponges and paint and stuff like that. Yeah, Eventually yeah. figured out the spray paint was quicker. Um, it was fun. It was great. And, like, the first tour was bizarre. Nobody Like, once people, like, started knowing who our band was yeah, yeah. Um, and we would do tours and people would come we had no merch and we'd just be like yeah just donate money like we would have like a couple hundred bucks at the end of the night every night and yeah. just in donations it was like okay cool like it was really great it was just everybody wanted to you know wanted to see it keep going which is I don't know I like it's a very uh, unexpected feeling and it uh, makes me feel really nice um, <laughs> like it's, it's it's insane uh it's cool. It's it's really really nice. And, yeah. Uh, so when that started happening, it was just kind of like, I don't know. I, n- I never, I've never written music thinking like, all right, all right, what do the kids want to hear, or whatever. Yeah. But I've definitely like, we do things even to this day based on like, all right, well, what will somebody who's coming to our show, like what, like what would they appreciate? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I because. Like, from the beginning of the music industry, people were donating money to, like, a few months ago when we got robbed, and, like, we immediately got $20,000 to replace all of our equipment from people donating stuff, like, within an hour or two. Um, So, I'm just always like, okay, well, let's try and keep tickets cheap, and let's try and, you know... Hi everyone, David here with a quick bit of an announcement uh, going in between the two parts of this episode. I want to tell you about Sad Girls Fest. As you know, support for all my friends are in bar vans comes from Sad Girls Club, which is a collection of non-binary and non-male musicians uh, helping to make the world a better place. They're, they're just kicking ass. You, you, you know them, you love them. And uh, last year, they put on the first ever Sad Girls Fest. And this year, it is happening again. And it is going to be happening on the 1st of October in Melbourne at the Reverence Hotel. 
and it's also going to be happening on the 8th of October at the factory floor in Sydney. Who's playing? Well, I can't tell you. Thankfully, the awesome people at Sad Girls Club can tell you who will be playing, and uh, they will be announcing that this Monday. So feel free to check that out. Head over to sadgirlsclub.com for all the info. That's sad, G-R-R-R-L-S-C-L-U-B.com. Support for all my friends are in bar bands also comes from Spit the Dummy Records. They've got some really great releases out right now from Suburban Haze and Treehouses, among others. So so head along to Spit the Dummy Records or one word dot bigcartel.com and pick yourself up something nice. Last but not least, support for all my friends are in bar bands comes from you. That is right, for as little as $1 a month, you can help keep this podcast up and running, and you can help make all sorts of awesome stuff happen for us, and it would be so, so dearly appreciated. You can find out more information by heading over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash barbands. That's B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, we're back. We are uh, out the back here of Black Wire Records, where I've uh, recorded countless, countless podcasts. Welcome back, Jeff. It's like we never stopped talking. Yeah, I know. This will be edited together seamlessly. seamlessly yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's absolutely perfect. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Did you have a good night last night? Yeah, it was great. Obviously, it was awesome. It was really, really fun. Every show here has been super fun. And how's it feel to uh, be playing a sold-out show tonight? Is it sold out? I think we have literally four tickets That's left. It's not sold out. We're we're. I feel like we're always. Um, if a show has like two tickets left, and we're already calling it sold out, yeah, those two tickets never sell, and it never <laughs> sells out. That that's like historically what happens. Well, I reckon tonight you might be in luck, man. I reckon I reckon four people Maybe. are going to try their luck. You never know. You never know. <laughs> but uh, who who knows? By the by the time that you you've played tonight. That show may well be sold out. It'd be so. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Bomb didn't sell out when we played here, so that's just like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Uh, on that note, uh, that's where we that's where we left off. We were talking about kind of the starts of Bomb the Music Industry. Yes. Tell us a little bit about uh, touring uh, internationally for the first time, like as a part of Bomb the Music Industry. Uh, like I was saying, uh, a lot every first international tour in any country was just me. Um, yeah, really, and like yeah. the, U- the UK, uh, I did it with me and Rick Johnson and the iPod. And then I, because Mustard Plug, they were doing the Sky's Dead tour. And I oh, think nice. they were just trying to find a band that could do it for a hundred pounds. And it's hard to get a band <laughs> to do it for a hundred pounds. But for me, it was, and Rick was just like, yo, just have Jeff come out and do it. Me and him already do it as Bob Music Industry with the iPod. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, and I remember I was like at my job and at the time and I got a phone call and I went outside. I was so excited because I was going to get to go to fucking another country, which is just crazy to me. So yeah, so we did that and that was kind of how the Australia thing worked out. And then, you know, eventually we got to do it as a full band, which is just awesome. Yeah, right. So, yeah, 
what was it like kind of transitioning from that? Like, obviously, you, you sp- was it kind of a thing where you spent so long just, like, playing, knowing exactly when to come in, like, with the snare and stuff like that, like, with everything pre-programmed? Was it weird to kind of go back to having everything just spontaneous and on the fly? No, I, I prefer spontaneous and on the fly. That yeah, was, yeah. That's one of the things about the iPod that I liked the least was that there was no room to stretch. Like, Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we did it with Bomb all the time, and we do it with this band all the time, which is just kind of like, I don't know, we goof off a lot. We have fun, we play we play with each other, and sometimes we'll play a section of a song a completely different way. Like, we'll make part of it ska for no reason, just to, like, <laughs> make someone else in the band smile, you yeah. know what I mean? Or, like, get really, really, really quiet, because you're just kind of trying to ride whatever emotional momentum is in the room, mm. you know? So with the iPod, there really isn't a possibility of doing that. And, yeah. Well, it's not even that there wasn't a possibility. It's just, like, it was harder to do it. And, like, there'd be points where, like, mid-set, I'd go and put different songs on whatever the playlist for the set list would be just to kind of, like, try and feel the vibe of whatever's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a weird thing. I don't think it's a lot of things. I don't think that's a... Thing a lot of punk bands do and I don't necessarily know if it's a good thing that we do it but we do always try and kind of like you know treat the set as if it's like you know it's breathing with the crowd and or you know the non the like five people in the room yeah, or like yeah, ourselves and just kind of like try and follow our whims to yeah. do whatever we want to do yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean sure so at what point did you kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, Bombs a Project had kind of run its course? Like, was there a certain show or a certain tour or anything like that? Or did, was it one of, just, one of just those moments where you kind of had that epiphany moment where it's just like, oh, there's nothing more I can do with this? It's all that stuff, but to be honest, that all that stuff is in my head constantly in any band I'm in all the time like yeah everything I'm doing breaks up in my head every three months I'm just like <laughs> no this isn't gonna work everything's fucked you know um so that really didn't have to do that as much as um Matt moved to Australia we could have just done it where like we were a band that played like once a year somewhere but I put so much of myself into it that that would just leave me I I knew that would just leave me kind of crazy I was just like okay well you know we did it and that's fine and we had a really good time and let's just call it you know what I mean like let's not try and be one of those bands that just like plays the fest every year and that's the only show that you play Um, because I didn't want all of our shows to be like one show a year that costs $40 or whatever yeah yeah yeah. Um, and uh yeah, and I just kind of figured, get a job, and just kind of, I was in a band for a long time, it did a cool thing, mm-hmm. no worries, just call it, be thankful for the fact that I did get to do it, and find a little bit of comfort in uh, the security of having a job and knowing that I'm going to be able to pay rent every month, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. So what was that final ever show like? Like, I can only imagine, like, that would have been kind of a very kind of cathartic thing for you to kind of put this thing to bed that you, you know, dedicated so much of your life to for so long. Um, It didn't feel as much like that. And really? that was yeah. good. Um, I didn't want not, it to not feel great. like that. <laughs> no, no, um, no, that was good that it, like, that it didn't feel like that. I, right, yeah. It just felt like a show, um, which right. is which is what 
I want it to feel like. You know, we played a lot of songs, which was different than usual. But sure, like, yeah. It was still like once the documentary comes out, like we're opening up the set with the first song in Vacation, and as like this kind of very slow build, mm. and like while we're doing it. Like our friend Tony just runs is like runs across the stage to like grab a beer out of the cooler out of the stage and go to the <laughs> other side of the stage. Like no one is gonna notice, and we're like doing this like emotional thing, like this dramatic part. Uh, and um, yeah, so it was kind of like that. It was like our friends were just still there goofing off and spilling beer all over the place, and I fell on my face a bunch of times. And, you know. Uh, it wasn't like uh, it was nice. It was cool. Like the fact that it was in front of that many people was that was a bigger deal to me than it being the last show, yeah. um, which is weird. But I, I just kind of I don't know. I don't know why it didn't like. There is a point it throughout that weekend where like I was just like you know I had a breakdown. I was like crying in a bar somewhere. Just be like oh fuck man. Yeah. Like after that first show because the first show went so well and as good as Bond the Music Industry did which I know a lot of bands don't do that well and I know we were really lucky and especially without like selling merch for a lot of it to be able to like be a band we were never like we didn't play to a crazy amount of people all the time you know what yeah, I mean yeah, like we weren't ever a band that you know would play like the size of the Smith Street band like we were not that kind of band we just didn't really play shows like that and if we did it was supporting people and people who came to those shows didn't want to see us um, <laughs> so like playing a show like that for that first night and just kind of seeing everybody come out and seeing like the kind of outpour of support and love which was very overwhelming was like fuck man like maybe we should have kept on doing this maybe we fucked this all up and uh you know, I had that moment, and it went, and it passed, and then, um, you know, played the next show, and it was just, it was just all really fun. It was a really great weekend. It was yeah. nice and um, kind of affirming that uh, anybody cared, and from the inside, it was so hard to see a lot of the time, because I was the one sending those booking emails, and I was the one getting no responses from venues when I'd be yeah, like, yeah. hey, we draw, like, 200 people in your town. Can you, like, write me back? Maybe, and like yeah. get and, and get nothing back from anybody. Even those last shows, like I wrote a cool venue in Brooklyn um, that was smaller than the venue that we did it at, and they didn't write me back. And I was like, "This is a guaranteed sold out show for your venue. Like, yeah. do you want to book it and nothing back? Nothing. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous." So, um, with all that kind of defeat laced throughout the process of bomb <laughs> yeah. the music industry, yeah. um, it was easy to kind of not really notice. Uh, that was growing, so it was cool to kind of see that, especially that very last show where it was like, there's nothing ahead, yeah. just enjoy this. So yeah, it was yeah. less cathartic as much as like, I don't know, it was just, it was, it was a nice feeling to be able to play the kind of show that we normally play mm. um, and still see, and see like people that stoked about it in our yeah, hometown, yeah, yeah. like a block from my house. Amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking about it just because in the last fifteen years, especially, there's been so many bands that have just done, you know, big definitive. This is it, you know. We're never playing again. Moments, and then even a few years later, they'll be back together again. You know, stuff like, you know, Crowded House, Rage Against the Machine, Van yeah. Halen, fucking um, LCD Sound System just recently refused. Yeah. You know, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. You know, like, do you 
see stuff like that and you're just like, I'm never going to fucking do that. I never want to do like a, you know, cash-in reunion. I mean, I don't want to never say, I don't want to ever say I'll never do that because that comes and bites you in the ass. And (laughs) I feel like I said that when we did those last bomb shows and in my mind, I I know it's final. Um, But I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to whatever yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and now everybody all the time has me like so bomb reunion I'm just like no it's no. done no that's not like how that works what's you know? the documentary band isn't uh, I don't know it has a lifespan I don't know I don't know it's not something that interests me at this point in my life it's yeah, been yeah. like completely fun. you know in 15 years I have a bunch of kids <laughs> and someone's offering us 8 billion dollars to play a show I'm not gonna say no to it you yeah, know totally. what I mean <laughs> Um, that would, um, I think that's how all that stuff happens, which is just funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know. May, I don't know if I would say yes or no to it. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, have, yeah. But that's not something I, I think about. Yeah. 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 So uh, the last few years you've, you've spent kind of playing under your own name and, yeah. and, and doing stuff with Chris as well. Like, uh, how, how different, uh, is your approach now to, to like making music and touring and stuff like that as opposed to, to back in the day? Like, obviously when you're, when you're young and you're starting out, you're so like sure of yourself and you have like such a clear distance that's like, this is the kind of band I want to do. We're going to do this, this and this and, you know, stuff like that. But you know, you know, you're like, you're in your thirties now and you, you know, you're married and you have, you know, a life away from music and stuff like that. Like, do you kind of approach doing things differently now as opposed to when you were starting? I do, but it isn't like, like with Bomb, if anything, I feel a little more confident with things now. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to treat everyone in the band, like, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure, I'm thinking a lot more about making sure that we can survive while we're in this band than I was sure. when we were in Bomb. Yeah, 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 when we were in Bomb, we all had jobs. I was just like, fuck it, man, whatever, let's do it, let's, like, it doesn't matter, you know? But even aside from like that, that stupid shit, it, it gets everything can get to a point where it's just like it seems stressful. It doesn't seem like a lot, probably from an outsider's perspective. Mm. Bond the music industry, like between Bond the music industry and like this actually starting as a thing, like that was a lot of time that passed for me. That was like a yeah. year, a year and a half, two yeah, years, yeah, where sure, like. Sure, sure. In my mind, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to be a touring musician or be in a band or anything like that again. The fact that I went through that made it so that, like, now I, I try and appreciate everything a lot more and just be thankful for the fact that we are doing this and that we are lucky enough to to go to Australia or to yeah. go to New Jersey and everything in between. You know what I mean? I think with Bomb, like I was saying, I would just so, get so caught up in booking everything and all that stuff that the defeat kind of overshadowed the victories. And especially for someone like me, where like, you know, if there's like a hundred record reviews and one record review says one bad thing, I'll think about that bad thing for the rest yeah, of yeah, my totally. life. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like it was, I, I'm just trying to be less of that person you know right, yeah. I'm realizing why Bound the Music Industry didn't last and what what's on me with it not lasting and I'm trying to just deal with those issues or the very least acknowledge them and try and sure. move past them yeah um, music wise though everything's everything's the same basically yeah. it's, it's still just me writing songs in my bedroom and yeah. you know working out some shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> and getting to tour around with your friends yeah yeah well that part's just uh, everything all of this is just a bonus yeah. like at the end of the day 
I would still just be writing songs and recording them and releasing them for free. You know, that's yeah. kind of why it ended up being my name was because I didn't expect this to be a thing. And I was yeah, just yeah. like, okay, so I'll just... Jeff Rosenstock, that's fine. I don't care. It's not going to be a thing. This isn't something I have to, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. worry about ever. Yeah, and then, and then, of course, it became a thing, which I'm stoked about. And here um, we are. Man, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're wrapping up here, but before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests. And yeah. now, it is your turn, my good friend. I want to know about your best and worst gig experiences as a performer ever. So, yeah, you can start on a high note and end on a crushing low note, or you can uh, start with the sadness and then end with the with the triumph. So you can you can go either way with it. So well, this, is, this, this is the worst one, but it's always the funniest story. Um, we played a show with the Slackers in Chicago. We do good in Chicago, so we're like, all right, yeah, cool, yeah, this yeah. is going to be good. Yeah, 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 cool. And, like, the second we got up there, like, within the first, like, 20 seconds, somebody spat at me. And I like stopped playing. I was like, "Fuck you!" And I spat at them. And I was like, "Yeah, deal with that." And then we just kept like people started throwing beer cans at us, Fucking and we hell. started throwing beer cans back at them. And then, like, in between songs, we were just trying to just like uh, antagonize the crowd, Holy and so shit. we would just talk really slowly for a really long time between songs like talk about politics in between songs I don't know Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton who do you think we should Mm. vote for and yeah people were like booing and stuff and the slackers this is when we became friends with the slackers like we were but they were like kind of confused by us at first and then they like started warming up to us and then they saw this and they were just like oh my god and uh we also uh played like 10 minutes over our set time just to and we're like we measure like our set time's done but we're gonna play a few more songs we were just like boo boo um, so that's probably the worst we were ever received oh man I'm just um, imagining like uh, that scene in the Blues Brothers where they got the chicken wire in yeah. front of the stage <laughs> it was very Blues Brothers yeah. for sure let's get the hell out of here <laughs> <laughs> All, and like all of our shows in Germany, like when we opened up for Lust of Jake, like people just did not want to see us play. Seriously. And so we were just like fuck with everybody. Oh man. I like, I put on. So I I remember there was one show. I took off everyone's hat in the front row and put it on. And the last person's hat I took off just said, "You're a real jerk." <laughs> <laughs> like while we're playing, like while I'm singing. Uh, That's amazing. That lives with you forever, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. I, you know, honestly, I've, I have been a much less antagonistic front man in situations like that yeah. since then. The best show experience I can think of right now, uh, which, you know, I don't know if it is, but Forrest a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot going on there. First of all, it was a great show. But also, I made that record with the Smith Street Band in that tiny, tiny town. Mm. Had it been back there since then, of course, I got to introduce all like the local like old dudes to like my wife, which was cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, I got to watch the Smith Street Band play this record that... Uh, we worked on together in that town. I got to see them outside, underneath the stars of that town, play that record front to back. And for the first time, I've seen them play. It's for the first time since like we did the rough tracks for the record. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah sure. And after you listen to a record eight hundred times while you're making it, you don't you don't really listen to it front to oh, back God, no, no, all no, that no. much without picking out mistakes that like shit that you miss. So just getting to watch them play it live is just like. It was amazing that, yeah. that we got to play 
and like you know all these people at that bar not all these people there's like you know five or six people at the bar who like i was just like the weird american that was in their city yeah. <laughs> um and like they got to like i got to show them like the band that i'm in and like yeah. be like hey this is my deal and uh it was great and just the whole show was great and it was a really really fun fun time and what a great town and what a great community of people yeah, who were just like awesome. so super kind and welcome making nice to everybody yeah. so i know that that's a really recent show but like the entire night i remember just be like i think this is my favorite show i've ever played i think wow. this is it oh, you know that's amazing dude. yeah it was great that's so so great uh the album is we cool we cool <laughs> Am I, am I pronouncing that correctly? Oh, yeah. You <laughs> pronounce it with the question mark. Yeah, that was yeah. good. And just a little ellipses at the start. Just like, we cool? We cool? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I've had to say that many, many times in my life. So, you know, I, I, yeah. I connect on, the, on that level. Uh, it is a great record, Dan. I oh, really do love like that Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. And uh, you can find that and uh, all of your previous releases through your label website. Yeah, through quoteunquoterecords.com. They're all free there. ka Do you have anything else you would like to plug? Nope. Nothing. Don't, but don't listen to any other records aside from the ones mentioned on this podcast. All right. Ever. 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 So. That's it. You're stuck with quote unquote for life. Sorry. <laughs> uh, look, sorry, not sorry, I believe is the, is the phrase <laughs> oh, that you say. Yeah, oh, yeah. The kid. <laughs> you millennials. You goddamn millennials. All Get right. off my lawn, Get you millennials. Get off my lawn. <laughs> all right, Jeff, let's go rock a show. Thank you so much cool. for your time, yeah, dude. Thanks a lot for talking to me. I'm David James Young, and all my friends. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com. Was that where you do Christmas thing? Huh? No, you were quiet. Um, but um, I just I feel bad sitting back here in everybody's space. No, no one's coming back here. Everyone's out the front. Oh, yeah, okay. you're totally fine. I'm just coming to grab. Okay, those. never mind. Tomo from Great from Camp yeah. Cope. Great band. <laughs> from Great Band Camp Cope. Band inspired by Jeff Rosenstock. It's true. All their songs are literally covers. All the, our songs are literally about Jeff. <laughs> yeah. One's about our brother Chris, but the rest are about Jeff. <laughs> Bye. Uh, cool. Sorry about that.